Hello and welcome to Building Brand You, the show where we help you to accelerate your success, getting you more clients, more revenue, more business and more opportunities by unlocking your greatest asset, you. My name is Kim Hamer. I'm an international business coach, a recognized global expert on leadership, visibility and personal branding, and I designed this podcast for you to help you unlock what you already have and to give you a whole host of tools and techniques that you can implement in order to accelerate your success and build your own brand you. So let's unlock this episode and lift the lid on what's next in building brand you. Your brain is like a nightclub with a bouncer at the door. And the bouncer's job is to filter out most of the stimuli that's hitting you. The people having an argument across the street, the traffic noise, so that you can think coherently about one thing at a time. Welcome to this On the Bookshelf episode of the Building Brand New podcast. And that is a quote from the book that I'd like to share with you today, Stolen Focus, Why You Can't Pay Attention by Johan Hari. One of the things I found really interesting as we've progressed through this season uh, with the theme of flow is that there's this focus of attention that comes with being in flow. And we talk about that quite a lot in a number of the episodes, whether they're with guests or whether they're soundbite episodes with me. But the reason for actually doing this season and thinking about flow was not just about having it happen to us and having it happen by accident. It's actually about how do we create the right conditions for flow to occur? How can we be intentional about being in flow, being our most productive, being most fulfilled and being our best selves? So I picked up Stolen Focus because I was interested in where does focus sit? How malleable is it? How much can we actually do with it? And is it an effort of huge will and discipline or is there something else going on? As an opener to this book, Hari talks about his epiphany moment when he realized that he couldn't focus, he couldn't pay attention and the impact that it was potentially having on not just his life, but the lives of those around him. And throughout the book, He points to 12 causes of stolen focus. I'm not going to cover them all in this episode today. I will focus on just one. But let me just give you a snippet of some of the things he talks about. So the first cause is about the increase in speed, switching and filtering. And earlier on in episode two of this season, we talked about the impact of constantly switching and not allowing ourselves to focus. He also talks about the disruption of mind wandering and the role that mind wandering plays in our our well-being and our productivity. He talks about stress and the increase of vigilance. He talks about the impact of diet. And in another chapter, he talks about the collapse of sustained reading. And as an avid reader myself, um, I was particularly drawn to this chapter. There are so many amazing nuggets in this book. But the thing that struck me most is that cause two is the crippling of our flow states. So in this chapter, he gives us that quote about the brain being a nightclub with a bouncer. And that bouncer's job is to get rid of most of that external stimuli. 
for those of you who can remember going into a nightclub, it's like entering a world that's that cuts you off from everything on the outside. And it's a great analogy to think about. Now, Mahali Sinsapahali, who wrote Flow and has been one of the underpinning uh, sources for what I've covered in this season, had a different childhood. And a lot of what he, he saw impacted how he thought about the human condition. But it was actually in moving to study in the USA that he really started to think about what Flow was. When Singsep Mahali moved to the US, the prevailing conversation about behavior was from B.F. Skinner. And it was primarily about your behavior is driven by the sum of all the reinforcements you've had in your life. There's a lovely example, if you haven't heard it before, of um, Pavlov and his dogs. He realized that he could actually retrain his dogs to salivate at times when the food wasn't in front of them by associating the arrival of food with other things like a person in a white lab coat or the ringing of a bell. So instead of just salivating when the food was put in front of them, the dogs learnt a behaviour. When they heard the bell, they started to salivate because they associated it with food, even though the food wasn't there. It's much the same as our likes, retweets, reshares, comments on social media. But Singsip Mahali looked at this and thought it was quite sort of like a limited view of how we behave. But one of the things that Singsip Mahali noticed was that when you watch an artist creating painting or a sculpture, he noticed that they were completely immersed. But it wasn't just about the immersion in the task at hand. It was about when they finished the painting or the sculpture, they put it to the side and started on the next thing. There was no moment of triumph at what they had created. It became about the process for them. And that's where they achieved their flow. He spoke to a lot more adults after seeing this, spoke to people who played chess, who, who were involved in rock climbing and long distance swimming. And what was common was it was the process. And they often talked about being carried on by the flow. In fact, at one point, Hari says the purpose of flow is to keep on flowing, not to look for a peak or utopia, but actually staying in the flow. So that's where Singsant Mahali started to think about flow states and to publish more and more work that researched how people get into these flow states, what were the primary conditions for them, and how we could create them for ourselves. The first thing was about choosing a single goal. That was the first condition of a flow state. The second thing was to make sure it's a meaningful goal to you. And the third condition was trying to push yourself to the edge of your abilities. Now, we've heard these with two of our previous guests. In fact, in episode three with Dr. Alan Barnard, he talked about this trying to push ourselves to the edge of our abilities, balance between boredom and stress, and finding that, that flow or that optimum condition between boredom and stress that allows us to achieve that flow. 
And then in episode 12, Paul Skinner, author of The Purpose Upgrade, uh, talked about three similar conditions. We need a purpose, we need to feel like it's meaningful, and we need to feel like we can do something about it. So there's something in that three conditions that seems to flow through lots of the discussions and readings about how we achieve flow. But one of the things about flow is that it's fragile and easily disrupted. We've all experienced that. And one of the things Hari points to in all of his discussions is that it's not about breaking away from the the disruptions and the distractions into rest. It's about replacing those distractions with some sort of positive goal. And I want to read you something from his own experience of, of isolating himself from his distractions by leaving his phone, his laptop, and all his digital connections behind and spending quite a long period of time in Provincetown in the USA. And this comes at the end of his third week. So at the end of that third week in Provincetown, I asked myself, why did you come here? It wasn't just to get away from the phone and the Skinnerian reinforcements of constant likes and retweets and shares. You came here to write. Writing and reading have always been the primary sources of flow in my life. I had been nurturing an idea of a novel for a long time, and I told myself I would get around to it one day when I had the time. Well, I thought, here is the time. Drill here. See if it brings you flow. This seemed to fit perfectly into Mahali's model for how to create flow states. It required me to set aside my other goals. It was something meaningful to me, and it was something at the edge of my comfort zone, but not, I hoped, beyond it. So on the first day of my third week in my panicked funk, I sat on the sofa in my little corner of the beach house. I nervously opened the broken old laptop my friend had loaned me, and I wrote the first line of my novel. And I wrote the second line, and it became a paragraph, then a page. It was hard. I didn't particularly enjoy it. But the next day, conscious that I had to retrain my habits, I made myself do the same. And so it went on day after day. I struggled. I disciplined myself. By the end of the fourth week, the flow states started to come. And so it ran into the fifth and sixth weeks. And soon I was hurrying to my laptop, hungry to do it. Everything Mihaly described was there. The loss of ego, the loss of time, the sense that I was growing into something bigger than I had been before. Flow was carrying me through the difficult patches, the frustrations. It had unlocked my focus. In that lies the heart of how we can take back our control of our attention and our focus. It's about the small things. It's about recognizing the distraction, removing the opportunity to be distracted from our environment, and about replacing it with some other goal. That means we have to build a new habit, that we have to stretch to the limits of our comfort zone, but that allows us to build step by step, day by day. Building the muscle is something we talk about a lot in Building Brand You. It's like going to the gym. It feels uncomfortable and foreign and quite difficult at first. But the more we do it, the more we take those small steps and harness not just the practice, 
but the perfect practice. If we think about the habit we want to build, just like Hari did, we have the opportunity to create new habits that replace the distractions that we've had before. There is so much more to offer in Stolen Focus. It's a brilliant book. I can't think of any worthier activity than for us to take back control of our attention, to be the master of our focus, and to decide what are the worthy goals in our life and what is worth building habits around. I'll leave you with that this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Building Brand You podcast. I'm Kim Hamer. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. For all the latest news, hot tips, and special offers, you can become a member of the Building Brand You Facebook group. Just type Building Brand You into the Facebook search box and request to join. You'll also find me on LinkedIn, where you can get your hands on my eight ways to build brand you for free. And to receive exclusive content direct to your inbox and be first in line for upcoming events, sign up to the Brand You Unlocked newsletter. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. I help people to accelerate their success by unlocking their greatest asset. If you'd like to find out how to unlock your reputation, your results, and your impact, book a free 20-minute coaching with Building Brand You call at calendly.com forward slash Kim Hamer forward slash BBY chat. Accelerate your results by unlocking your greatest asset, you.